0: Andrea, welcome to the
1: show. I'm super excited to have you here tonight. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: This is just honestly the best thing about having a podcast is all the different connections that I have made through this platform. And I love, you know, you reached out a couple months ago and shared a little bit about some projects you're doing and a book that you've written. And it has just been so fun to see the passion you have for multilingual learners and where that's taking you and to get to have you on the show today to share more about that thank you so much.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, in the journey that I've been on for the past few years as well, making those connections and realizing that our bubbles of schools are so much bigger than we think they are when you get out into the world and meet educators like yourself and beyond.
0: Exciting. It's exciting the world we're living in in that sense, for sure. Well, let's begin. Why don't you share a little bit about your educational experience and what you're up to now? Sure. So um,
1: I've been in education for 24 years. I'm currently an English language learner teacher based out of Philadelphia, PA. In addition to that, I'm an author and also a speaker, but I didn't start out that way. You know, 24 years ago, I started out as a high school English teacher, was hired right out of college over the weekend, and given what I lovingly called some of the most at-risk, toughest kids in the building. And (laughs) I was given a freshman class of students, and here I am, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to go. And had just, you know, come off a great student teaching experience. And I was given all these kids that hated school. And I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I was going home in tears. What, how, why don't they like school? What did I do? How can I attack this? How can I, you know, help them? And so what I quickly figured out was that I had a freshman class of students who didn't know how to read. Wow. And they had gotten through school and had some feelings about that. And so when I was putting this content in their front of them, they were really struggling with that. And the behaviors that were coming from it were because of it. And so I went back to school um, and I started continued to teach them and I became a reading specialist. So I got a master's in reading and I learned, I felt unequipped at the time. Like, how am I going to help these kids? So when I went back to school and became a reading specialist, then I felt like I had more tools in my toolbox. I knew what to do when these students arrived at the high school level. So as I was working with those students, I actually ended up moving down to a middle school level. And I was a a title one reading specialist for a middle school for a few years. And I really started to get curious about working with English learners because I had this great grade level partner across the hall, Mike Kinka, who was working with the L's in the building. And I started to have L's in my reading groups. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm, how can I help and support these kids better? So I went back to school again. And I took a few years and got my certifications as an English language learner teacher. So really for 17 of the 24 years I've been in education, I've been a support teacher. I've Mm -hmm. always been working with students and teachers and administrators, etc.
0: That's incredible. I love, I love this, and and this is really kind of hitting on the topic we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be sh- talking about a book that you've written called "Take Me Home." And before we get into that, you know, it's clear even just by your story how inspired you get by your students. I love that you see these students. You identify why the behaviors are not just saying, "Oh, they have behavior issues." You really went to the core of it then went on to get educated on how to teach them. I just love this, how those students are so inspirational to you. And that's really led you to write this book, but how do you get there? How do you get to that point where you're just having a rel- like your, your connection with your students is so strong, especially when you moved into working with your English language learners, you know, you're working with students who don't speak English, different cultures, different, you know, from all around the world, right in your classroom, it can feel really overwhelming sometimes for some educators. So will you share a little bit more before we dive into talking more about your book, Just some ways that teachers can build that same type of connection with their students that trust, Um, maybe, you know, share a few questions. I know you have some essential questions that you encourage teachers to ask and just give us some insight into that.
1: You know, the first thing I realized when working with English language learners is the best person to communicate with about them is their parents. And so having teachers feel equipped with resources to confidently communicate with their parents is essential. Yeah. And so, you know, using interpreters, if the parent prefers a language other than English or using um, apps, if they're in person or using great companies like language-based services or Propio One or Talking Points or the Say Hi app, whatever resources that you may have, I always think you want to be proactive, not reactive, right? Yeah. So having that mentality of, I definitely want to have a conversation with this student's parents because they're the root of information to my student. And so I always start out by reaching out to the student's parents via email and over the phone and having a conversation about where is your student coming from? Are they coming from down the street? Or did you just move a neighborhood over? Are they coming from another state? Are they coming from another country? Were they born here? What was their formal education like, right? You want to start to have these conversations. What are their strengths? What are their worries? And so from that, then you start to gauge, you know, some, some communication and some connections with the parents. In addition to that in the classroom, I'm a huge believer that everybody in the building needs to know who your English language learners are. Mm-hmm. Why? Because 80% of their interactions are outside of the EL classroom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you
1: want to try to proactively again set them up for success. So I'm the teacher in the building that's known for I'm walking them down to the cafeteria team. I'm walking them to the maintenance team. I'm walking them to the transportation team. We're in the office. I mean, We're introducing our kids to everybody. So they start to gauge that comfort zone with the support of the EL teacher for that first meeting. Hmm. From there, now I start to think, well, how do we connect our kids, not only building wide, but school wide and district wide. Hmm. And so we are really intentional about creating opportunities for our EL students to meet each other. And so, you know, many times they don't even know. We have 31 different languages in my district and hundreds of students, a lot of times they're not even sure that there's another student who speaks Khmer around the hall. Or maybe there's a friend two grades up that also speaks Vietnamese. Or maybe there's a buddy down in first grade that also speaks Spanish. And so we start to be really intentional about connecting our kids with activities throughout the year within the building. Then we thought bigger, let's connect them throughout the district. So we wrote some grants and we are able to take our kids on four community experiences every year that allows them to meet other kids within the district. After we connect our students district-wide, we started to think even bigger, and we thought, well, how can we connect our students county-wide? So we created summer county-wide EL camps that run for four weeks in the mornings where we have one host school, and everybody buses our students into that host school for that summer, and we have teachers that run those camps so kids can connect that way. So we are really, really proud of the work that we're doing with connecting our students in all these different opportunities. But in addition to that, when I think about the EL students in the classroom, within the building, with their teachers that they're spending time with, you know, I always say it doesn't matter if your student is an EL student, a Title I student, a first grader, a 12th grader, spending time in this field for this, you know, amount of time, I've learned that all students and families are looking for three things. They're looking to feel respected, they're looking to feel accepted, and they're looking to feel admired. Mm -hmm. And as their teacher, if you can find ways to show them that respect, that acceptance, that admiration, not just on their easy days, I say, but on their challenging (laughs) days too, you'll have kids that will work for you. Mm -hmm. And you'll have parents who feel that from you and will want to communicate with you. So just really setting up all of these parameters, I think, is really important in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I always say to you know, districts when I speak with them, have you been intentional about creating time for your EL teachers to meet with your students, content teachers and team up? Because it's really important that we go into the year with that mentality of a me, not a me, but a we, yeah. you know, we are a team. We have this amazing student with a gift sitting in front of us. How can we work together to set them up for success? Make the accommodations they need that will fade over time, and keep checking in. And what will that schedule look like? So, really, you know, all hands on deck in that sense that we're working together.
0: I love those ideas because you know they really are just looking at it in a proactive way. I think that's when you do you will have success throughout the year when you when you take that time at the beginning of the year doing those exact same things. You know, getting connected to the parents, setting that schedule with the teachers, all those things seem like a lot at the beginning of the year, but I I know, I'm sure you pl- probably have plenty of stories where because you did that, then when things came up down the road or, you know, you needed to work differently with the teachers you're working with, you already had built that kind of parameters, like you're saying, Um, you already had that mutual respect going on with parents and whatever, you know, in that situation where you're, it went much smoother than if it's the first time you're contacting a parent and you're having to say like, Hey, we're having this issue. So I love just kind of switching it and looking, really looking at ways. How can we set our students up for success? And what can I do? Because I, I just, I love how you really looked beyond like, what's the next thing we can do? Okay. We went from in our school to now in our district to now countywide. I mean, that is so in- inspirational to just see like, yeah, keep, keep dreaming, write those grants, you know, find those ways. And there's I'm sure so much power in, in students seeing that there's other students who speak the same language as them in the district or in the area, or maybe even the families connecting outside of school.
1: Yeah. And, and when we plan those family events, you know, I always say we incorporate the four Fs, family, food, free, and fun. And yes. you want to make sure, you know, making sure there is no childcare required. Bring the whole family, yes. making sure you have a location that's central. Most families can at least get to school. Mm-hmm. They can at le- even if the location is elsewhere. So providing that transportation for your families from the school to yeah. that event, you know, having a ton of food, we've done things like pizza on the playground, where mm-hmm. it's simple, you know, pizza yeah. outside, the kids can play, they're having a blast, our older students at the high school level act as mentors come down to help supervise those students. Now I have access to your parents who love meeting each other. And we can yes. give them resources, right? Or we work with local libraries where you know we gear, geared up for the summer they're giving out library cards they're seeing mm-hmm. what programs are available for the summer mr softy the ice cream truck came outside it was yeah. awesome you know yeah. seeing these parents connect with each other because you're right they don't often get opportunities because they're not in school all day they're mm-hmm. not give it, being given that free education right now they're working or they're at yeah. home taking care of their family so reducing that isolation for them is extremely important as well
0: Amazing. Those ideas are gold. I love it and simple. I love this. All right. So let's move into your book. Um, I would love to spend some time sharing about this. Can you give us just a quick summary and share more about your heart and mission for writing this?
1: Yes. Take Me Home is the true story of 11 of my former students from almost every continent who give a first-hand look of what it was really like to become bilingual in America. And it's written in English, and it also repeats in Spanish, all within the same book. And the mission and inspiration came from it because about 10 years ago, I worked with about 40 different students at the high school level, and they had about 25 different languages. And they came from all walks of life. I had students that were adopted. I had exchange students. I had kids that crossed the border. I had kids that were born here. I had students that had waited 10 years for a visa and came later after their parents. I had kids that came 10 years before their parents. And so we had this really diverse group of students. And no matter where they came from or what their proficiency level was coming into the classroom, we knew that we had four years or less at that high school level to give them an opportunity to have some free education and prepare them to be a young bilingual professional in the world. And so in the classroom, we had this big banner and it said, Education is opportunity. Education is freedom. What's your plan? Mm. Because our kids knew that their only plan can't be, I'm going to return to my country right now, or I'm going to return to the state I came from, or a block over down the street. It can't be that. Mm -hmm. And they knew that their plan couldn't be, I'm not going to be successful here, because we would tell them, Your parents have worked too hard to give you this gift along with your teachers, Uh of becoming bilingual. And so we're going to work hard at this plan to develop it to get you on your next chapter of your life. And so we went through this mentality, and I worked with these amazing kids. And there was one particular family I worked with, the Lopez family. And I had taught all seven of their children over time. And it was all boys and one girl. And they happened to be from the country of Salvador. And I've traveled to Salvador myself a few times to work with a school down there. And so I knew this family for many years, and they all went through this plan, and they all signed that banner when they graduated. And about a year after the youngest, Nancy, had graduated, the only girl in the family, I was teaching one day, and there were a bunch of helicopters outside. And I thought, wow, I hope everything's okay. There's a lot of helicopters outside today. And about an hour after that, my principal came down to get me, to let me know that one of my students had been hit by the train. Mm. and unfortunately, that student was Nancy, and she passed away that day, and one of the most challenging parts that began that day into the coming weeks was that mom and dad were still learning English themselves, Mm. so when they received the call that something had happened to one of the kids, no one on the local force spoke Spanish, and so they could kind of put together that something was wrong, and they could kind of put together that something had happened to one of the kids, but they didn't know which one it was. Hmm. And so they went up to the track and they stood there for hours calling and waiting and trying to figure out what had happened until we could all get there to support them. And so in those coming weeks, one of my jobs, in addition to the many experiences we went through and the trauma that it caused not only the kids, but the community, dad's a pastor, mom works alongside him, the school, etc., was for me to speak at her funeral. And so at the time, I created this short little poem, and I called it Take Me Home. Mm -hmm. And it was an homage to Nancy's life story. And that piece of paper sat on my desk after that experience, and I continued to teach these awesome kids. And one day, I looked at that piece of paper, and I thought, well, maybe something about this could help someone. Maybe it would be inspirational for other teachers or kids in the country. So I set that out on a whim. To some publishers. And a couple months later, this publisher gets back to me and they're like, Hey, Andrea, we really like your poem, but we don't want you to write a poem. We want you to write a book. Mm -hmm. And we're going to give you six months to do it. (laughs) And if you come back with something that we like, we're going to take you on and publish. And Beth, I started to think to myself, Well, I don't just want to tell her story. I want to tell all their stories because Mm -hmm. they're so different. Yeah. And so people in my experience as a support teacher have had assumptions about our English language learners. And I started to feel like it was part of my mission to debunk some of those and help people understand just how amazing and diverse these students are. And so I went back and found 11 of my former English learners who are now in late twenties, early thirties. And I said to them, now that you are a young bilingual professional out and living in the world, and you can look back on your school experiences. What were they really like for you? And so from those conversations over months after, we came up with Take Me Home. Hmm. And so it's we're really proud of it. Um, we changed the students' names to names of strength. So we have names like Grit and Fuel and Surge and Bolt and Charge. Nancy is known as Shine in the story. I was able to go back and interview mom and dad. So we tell all of their stories and we weave her story through it. Um, And we're really proud of the work it's doing. It's been read around the country. It's been read around the world by educators, by support teachers, by EL students. I just got a call last week. It's being read in Kansas by a hundred seniors. So it's really changing perspectives and shedding light on how awesome these young people are.
0: Wow. That's incredible, Andrea. I just love, I love how going back to from your first point you made, you know, just seeing your students as so inspirational and really giving them that spotlight to shine is so powerful. We'll put a link for sure in the show notes because I know anyone listening is like, let me get my hands on that. That sounds amazing. Especially if you're working with high school ELLs, it sounds like an incredible project to use, you know, and read through the book and then have students really Give them an opportunity to share their story as well. I'm sure there's different ways that teachers could use that in that type of way too. But, you know, stories are so, they're just so powerful. And I love how you really talked about how, you know, you really looked at different students you had and the different paths that they took to get into, you know, the United States. And you had students from many different backgrounds and different ways that some born there, some crossed over the border, some waited for visas. You know, I'm sure that you saw many of your students, they faced different challenges of assimilating, you know, to the new country that they're living in versus preserving their own culture. How do you feel like, or do you hit on this in the book of just how some of the students, they navigated this tightrope, you know, this, I call it this living in between of like, you're kind of a foreigner in your new country. But then if you go back and visit your old country, you're kind of a foreigner there as well. So there's just so much that kids, endure and and acclimate and assimilate and face as they walk through these different seasons you know of life and art it's just incredible to see how just how incredible our students are and what they face and what they're able to get through so hit on that point Andrea of just how you know the students kind of walk through that of of adjusting to the new culture but also still preserving the culture that they left
1: absolutely they did and one of the stories that you know you're talking about makes me think of one of the young men in the book his name is embrace he was born here in the u.s in wilmington delaware and his family was from south america and he said he always had this sense being at home that the speaking spanish and then going to school and speaking english that the world was much bigger than wilmington delaware he always mm-hmm. kind of was instilled with there's a lot more to the world than just what's here on our block. And so he said he always felt like he had a secret party trick because <laughs> he could flick back and forth between English and Spanish whenever he wanted to. Yeah, And so, but he didn't realize those differences within his culture, within his language, within his experiences until about third grade. Mm. And that's when I've noticed as well, like that social awareness starts to set in in general. And so kids, and even with that, I work with now that I teach right around the end of second, middle of third grade, will start to notice that they have that secret party trick, that they can do something that other kids can't. And they'll say that to me. They'll say, Mrs. Miss B, like, I can do something my friends can't do. I can speak Mandarin. And I'm like, (laughs) isn't that awesome? You know, or on the flip side, they'll start to go, my mom's English isn't that good. (laughs) <laughs> and right. And I'll, they'll start to notice that. And I'm like, okay. And I'll say to them, well, that's great. You have an opportunity to practice yours all the time. And Or they'll start to say, my mom and dad really need me to help them speak a lot. I have to go to a doctor's appointment or I have to go mm-hmm. to order at a restaurant. So those types of things will start to affect you know, their thoughts on, on the differences between the two worlds. Yeah. They also navigate it in terms of simple things. And I don't say simple, you know, in a a way that's, that's not respectful, but holiday differences, Mm -hmm. you know, food differences, bringing foods to school that maybe other kids are unaware of clothing differences, right? Holidays, they're not willing to celebrate that maybe some of their friends do. So they -hmm. start to have to navigate all these different touch points along their school career. And sometimes it can be really challenging for them. And so we try to do our best to provide opportunities to highlight those differences and to help them be proud of those differences and to allow their friends to be a part of those differences in learning more about them. And we do things within the classroom to promote that, like people who are proud of me boards are in my classroom. And so we say to the kids, make a list of five people in your life who you know are proud of you. And then we send that list home and parents will email me pictures. So I've got aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and teachers within the building and cafeteria workers and maintenance staff and whoever it is in their life, right, that matters to them are now watching them. And we built this beautiful board in our classroom and the kids promote conversation from it. In addition to that, we have bring a friend to class day where they're bringing in their monolingual peers who get because their friends always say, I want to come to your room. I want to come for group, you know. And I laugh and I'm like, well, I work with, I always say the best and brightest in the building and you're the one of the best and brightest too, but you have to be invited by one of my students. And so bring a friend day is a big deal. What does it do? It bridges that, right? That gap of understanding. So now they're in the classroom and they're looking and they're showing them these pictures of the people that are proud of them. And on those boards are everything you're saying, you know, the language differences, the cultural differences, the clothing differences, the food differences. And it's promoting conversation in a safe place yeah. where our kids get to feel proud. Wow! And so in addition to that, we put a lot of literacy into our program to promote those diversities. We're reading stories, you know, stories called I Am an English Learner, stories, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we just read last week, we just read Yo Soy Bilingue last mm-hmm. week, you know, and starting to bring that awareness of look at all of these pieces of the world that are so much bigger than you that we're incorporating into your daily life. Within my building, my principal took it upon himself to put the flags from all of the different kids and their cultures within the building on the walls. So they run the length of the walls and the hallways, and then they've got the countries on top of them. So as kids are walking down the halls, that's... Promoting awareness and conversation. Oh, there's Morocco. Our kids were so excited. They came running and did you see my Cambodian flag is there? Yeah, I saw it, you know, so mm-hmm. I can go on and on. And But I really think these are just ways, you know, to promote positivity and conversation and respect to those ideas.
0: And again, I mean, Andrea, I think this this is such an episode that's just so mm-hmm. filled with gold nuggets because those are really simple things. I mean, I love that idea of bring a friend. And really breaking down those barriers of you know that mystery. What what happens in there? Why do you have to go to her? You know all that that talk instead of like make it this amazing thing. Like sure, you get to come today because you are it's bring a friend day and and creating those safe spaces for students to feel confident and excited to share about their superpower and about their culture and done in a way that you know is just a really positive space. So oh man, that's that's a, I love that so incredible. Um, we're running out of time, so I want to quickly. Talk to you about, you know, your book, you share about 11 different students that you taught with. What personal lessons or insights have you gained about the human spirit, resilience, and the pursuit of dreams? You know, as anybody who's worked with multilingual learners sees that in these students and these families that have overcome so much, many very young children, you know, have overcome so much and just You see that in them, that spirit in them, that they are going to do big things. And it's such a blessing and honor to get to support them and help them in this journey. But, you know, share a little bit about that as you had your students share their stories. Um, What were some of your takeaways from that?
1: You know, there were a few. I think one of the biggest conversation pieces we had throughout their experiences was that lack of language never equals lack of intelligence. Mm. And they had yeah. to navigate that in many areas and experiences through their life. And I think that's really important for people to take a- away that point. When you meet someone learning for the English, learning English for the first time, treat that period of their life like an asset, not a deficit. It's not a, it's not a handicap. Yeah. You know, this is, this is something that's going to grow over time. And something else I think they really experienced was that no one achieves success alone. Mm. You know, island living is no fun. And yeah. and you need to have a group of people around you through your time when you're learning this language, who what I have called binocular thinking and not microscope thinking. Mm. And so through these conversations with them, it was easy to see that they had people around them who could see the long term future, mm. who could see where they were headed. And were willing to go with them and through the day-to-day survival some of them needed in order to get them there. Wow. And so just having that binocular thinking, not that microscope thinking is so pivotal for our kids. I can't tell you how many lunches we would have with some of our kids where they would just be tears and I can't do this. And I want to go back. And, you know, we'd say you can do it just one step at a time, you know, one day at a time. And here we are years later seeing these successful young Mm. people. Um, that we're extremely proud of. So wow. I think those are some of the things that really hit home from the talks that we had.
0: Wow, well, everybody get your hands on this book. We're gonna put a link in the show notes, but Andrea, let us know, let the listeners know where else they can find out more about you. Sure, so uh,
1: you can find me in a few places. I do have a website, it's com, where you can learn more about my mission, learn more about our book, Um, In addition to that, I also teach ELLs daily, but get to travel the country, going out to schools where teachers feel really challenged by working with English language learners, how to communicate with them, how to instruct them, et cetera. And so you can find more out about the professional development opportunities on that website as well. You can also find me on LinkedIn um, at Andrea Bittner and on, um, I guess we call it X now or Twitter, (laughs) Bittner Andrea. So any of those places, come say hi anytime. Amazing. And we will put
0: those links in the show notes as well for those who might be driving right now and can't write those things down, but we want you to be able to connect with Andrea. And thank you so much just for all the work you're doing, bringing all your experience into this educational world and just really being such an inspiration for your students and letting them inspire you and seeing all the ways that they're inspiring you to do bigger things in education. Which is really exciting. So thanks so much, Andrea. Thank you so
1: much. Thanks for having me. It was great to meet you.
0: Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.